Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Hello, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. How are you? So happy to have another time with you, another time to share ideas on the faith and on our health and really on everything that is spiritual and that is meaningful in our lives. You know, today's show, I want to dedicate a little bit to our well-being. And by well-being, I really mean um, what helps us to feel our best and what helps us to feel better even in moments of crisis, is there anything that we can do, anything that we can turn to that we can just do ourselves without any issues and without any concerns or maybe even without people realizing what we're doing and actually feel better? You know, I heard this story that was very interesting to me, and it really brought up a whole lot of different ideas. And it reminded me of a lot of things that we tell our patients all the time or a lot of times that uh, advice that we give to people, but we're not always very good at following ourselves. And there's a story that I heard that many of you might have heard this story or a similar story to it, but it was really interesting to me. It really touched my heart and made me think a lot about different things in our current times in society. You know, it was a story about a young man, a young boy. He was probably about 12 years old, uh, had started his junior high years, and he was going through school like any other boy, and he was enjoying uh, playing sports and hanging out with his friends and, you know, starting to understand what it meant to maybe like girls or not. Uh, and those were the things that were important to him at that time. He, he really enjoyed, you know, growing up and hanging out. But one of the things that he was always embarrassed about was his mom. He felt very shy about his mom. He would always tell her to drop him off a little bit away from the school so nobody would see. He would always tell her, you know, to pick him up the same way, or he'd try to convince her that he would want to walk home. Um, and lo and behold, you know, you get you get to know him a little bit more. You get to know the family a little bit more. And you find out that he was embarrassed about his mom's appearance. And this is because his mom had many, many scars, you know, on her face and on her arms, um, that she just kind of, as far as he knew, that's the way she was ever since he was born. He didn't understand uh, why she had these scars, and he, that's all he'd ever known. He never really talked about it much, but now that she was older, um, she had started to tell him, you know, he, as she recognized that he was a little bit more shy, she sat down and told him about these scars, and he, she said, you know, I think that you might not have noticed it before just because I'm your mom, but now that you're getting older, you're probably noticing things, and you don't want your friends to see me, and she asked, have your friends said anything, and he said, you know, sometimes they'll say a few things here and there, and they're not sure what's going on. Now, many of you might have heard the stories of moms helping their sons out, running in during emergencies, and saving their son's life, and sure enough, this is very similar to that. It turned out that when the young boy was about a year and a half old, two years old, more or less, uh, the apartment that they were in was catching fire. They called the fire department, and the fire department was not getting there on time. I'm not sure exactly why. The fire was very fast, and the mom had to find find a way to get out of that building, and she ran into the nursery, of course, had the boy in her arms, and she covered him and his face and his whole body with her two arms. 
So she was not able to really cover herself or she was not able to protect herself from the flames. She had him wrapped in a blanket, but she was holding him so tight that the outside of her arms that were exposed to the flames uh, got burned, and her face was burned. Her face was actually burned from the flames as she was trying to get out of that building. She was able to get out, and he had suffered a minor scar on his leg, but nobody really noticed it. You know, His leg had been sticking out from the blanket, and she showed it to him, and she said, did you ever wonder about that? And he just kind of figured that's how he was born uh he didn't have a dad around it was just him and his mom and i think the mom had a hard time really explaining to him what had happened or why she liked the way she did she was probably a little bit embarrassed by it as well um but one of the challenges was that the burns that she experienced on her face were such that she didn't have a whole lot of expression so for some people it might have seemed a little bit scary you know she couldn't really express herself uh, as she was talking the way we do because lo and behold our facial muscles as i'm you know lifting my eyebrows or opening my eyes more you know the muscles is really what helps us to uh, uh really people know how we're feeling the way we move them is what really helps people understand what we're thinking how we're feeling and how we convey emotions a lot of the time so in her particular case her face was burned to the point where she really couldn't express herself. She couldn't express, uh, uh, or I should say she was expressing herself, but you couldn't see the expression on her face much. Uh, it was hard for her to move any of those facial muscles, and some of them had been paralyzed because of the, of the fire she experienced. So she explained this to her son, and, and he kind of got it. You know, being 12 years old, he was still, on the one hand, really uh, taken aback and, and grateful about what had happened. Uh, on the other hand, he still knew he had to face his friends, and he was still probably a little bit embarrassed because the story wasn't going to mean as much to them as it did to him. You know, obviously, if, if I'm saved by somebody and, and they put their bodies at the forefront of danger for me, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand that story. But other people might not know that right away. Well, when I had the opportunity to speak to his mom and she told me this story, um, one of the things that she told me, and I, and I asked her, gosh, that must have been so scary for you. What was that like? And she said, you know, it's been about 10 years since that happened. Um, she said, I don't remember that that much. But what I am happy for and grateful for is that, you know, that he's alive. That, that's really what it is. And, and she said that what she regretted the most, what she felt sad about the most was that, one, that he wasn't going to understand the situation because of where he was in life. But two, she felt that she really, really, really wished that he could see the expression on her face every time she thought about that. She said that she told me that she wanted him to be able to someday see that her eyes were smiling, uh, that she was smiling and that her eyes wanted to convey an image of smiling. Because every time she thought about having saved him, every time she thought about being engulfed by the flames and the pain, she said all that went away knowing that she had saved her son and that he was okay, um, knowing what the result was that he was alive and that he was well, and that's how much she loved him. That's what she was hoping that he would someday understand. Because in the midst of the pain and in the midst of having all these scars and having people talk about her or make fun of her or treat her differently, she said none of that really mattered. The love for her son and the fact that he was alive and well and out of that danger that's all that she cared about. That's all that she carried in her heart. So I always remember that. I always remember that she told me, you know, there's something about the fact that my eyes are smiling. And I remember in medical school when they were teaching us, 
um, about the face and we were doing anatomy class and we had a cadaver and we had to, you know, open up the cadaver and we had to study all the different muscles. It made me realize that in reality, our, our facial expressions are a big part. It's probably the first part of how we interact as people is how we know what we know about each other um, before we even talk or before we even express ourselves. Uh, and that's really, really key and important. Um, it's something that I would say that is even more so important nowadays because nowadays a lot of us are wearing masks because of health reasons or whatnot. So our mouths are covered. We can't even see if somebody's smiling, if somebody's talking or, or what their mood is. Um, all we can really see is each other's eyes and we hope that those eyes have a positive expression and that they're, you know, what is it that we're conveying through our eyes? Um, the story of this mom was such that it moved me a lot because it really made me think, what am I conveying to other people? How am I expressing myself to other people um, in terms of, am I there for them? Am I present? Do I uh, uh, show them a happy face or not? These are important things to consider because there are actually are also very important health reasons that we need to consider. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more as the show goes on. But to, to bring you back to the story a little bit, the mom said that, as time went on and as she had uh, she continued to care for him and keep in mind he's about 12 years old she was hoping that someday uh, as he got married and he had his own family and had his own children and his own wife that he might be able to perhaps understand a little bit more um, about what a parent would do for a child um, and that she was hoping that she could see in his eyes when he looked at his child, whether it be a boy or a girl, or whatever. She said when she had grandchildren, she was hoping that she could see in his eyes um, the expressions of love that he had for them and the expressions of, uh, of caring. And that she was hoping that through the expression in his eyes and in his smiles, that she would be able to see that because she couldn't see her own. And that maybe someday he would understand through his own what she was going through for him. These are very important things because we forget that we're there for each other and how we express ourselves, how we show ourselves plays a big role in uh, how we interact and how we communicate. Right now, there's a whole lot of stress out there, a whole lot of stressful things going on. And it's important to remember and recognize that even in the midst of stress and chaos, it's important not only to treat each other well and to express ourselves to other people, but really it's going to have to start, if I'm going to be nice to somebody else, it's going to have to start by me being able to express myself to me in a weird way. I got to take a step back and check for myself. How am I doing? Am I happy? Am I uh, uh making every effort to smile a little bit more? Am I making every effort to really be present for other people? Um, this mom at that moment, she didn't care for herself. It was the most selfless act. You know, the Lord tells us that the greatest love you can give is to give your life for a friend. Well, we can say it was a friend. We can say, you know, this was her son, so it's expected. But at that moment, the love for him overshadowed everything. And whether it had been the danger of fire, the danger of a wild, any of these things, she didn't mind. She just wanted to be there for him and save him. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the health benefits of these smiling eyes as we come back. Because that's all that she experienced and had for herself after saving her son.
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the Internet. It's www.CovenantEyes.com code vmpr live porn free thank you for listening to virgin most powerful radio thank you god bless you keep the faith in first corinthians 13 13 saint paul says so there abide faith hope and love these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end, and God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the Dr. Sandoval Show to our Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Please always don't forget to donate whenever possible. Um, you know, this show is so great. It reaches so many people. And really, where else do we get to share our faith nowadays, especially if we find ourselves in a place where we're isolated or we're by ourselves? What a wonderful way to use technology to reach out and talk about the faith and in this show to talk about health, both mental and physical, and more importantly than anything, spiritual. Um, so I'm talking about smiles and eyes. Um, if you heard the first part of the show, you know, the, the term that this mom expressed herself with to me about having smiling eyes, it really touched me. And it, it took me back to medical school, as I was saying. You know, our expressions, our ocular uh, muscles and our orbital muscles around the mouth really changes our countenance and really shows the world where we're at in terms of our emotions. It's how we convey a lot of things. Um and they're very closely linked. Obviously, they're facial muscles. We have so many muscles in the face. And I think that the Lord really wanted us to use this as an expression um, and so that we could express ourselves in many, many different ways. Because that way, you know, with so many muscles, we can we can convey so many different nuances and whatnot. But one of the important things I thought, and I have a list here, is that we forget that, that 
in order to uh, be healthy and to stay healthy, there's actually little things that we can do. And I mentioned earlier, there's some things we can do without people even noticing. If we actually smile without even necessarily being happy or having something in front of us, once we smile and we have that expression, and my wife tells me I should smile more, so I'll probably try smiling more. But once we smile, it sends a message to the brain and it tells the brain something's good. You know, you don't even have to have some a reason to smile other than just say, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to smile. And I'm going to start to smile. Believe it or not, you will start to feel better. And why is that? Why is it that if I just smile, I feel better? Well, our bodies are built in such a way that every time we smile, there is an increase of what we call endorphins. So endorphins, you might have heard of these chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. These chemicals are called endorphins. And that is what actually we try to increase. And that's what I treat when people come in for depression or for anxiety. The medications that we prescribe are there to help increase the level of endorphins or to regulate them, depending on whatever the person needs. Uh, some medications that help increase dopamine, some help decrease dopamine. Usually we try to help and increase both serotonin and norepinephrine. And these are very, very important things because it's what helps keep our mood even. Now, you don't necessarily need a medication. Just by smiling, your endorphins will actually go up. You will actually have serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. They actually increase in the system, and it automatically helps you feel better. There's no way around it. It's just what's going to happen. The other thing that happens is once these go up, our stress goes down. We start to feel more relaxed. It's just going to happen, and there's no way around it. If we start to smile and we make that effort to smile, we're going to actually start to feel much more relaxed on our own, and we're going to feel better. We're going to feel better. If we're feeling better, we're going to convey that to other people, and we're probably going to help other people feel better as well. So that's pretty important. As we're feeling better and these endorphins go up, something else happens. It's not just in our mind but in our bodies. Physiologically, our blood pressure goes down. So we start to feel uh, the body naturally starts to relax and it decreases its blood pressure. With lower blood pressure our str and lower stress, our immune system just gets stronger. That's all there is to it. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced times of stress where I remember being going through finals in school or college and studying and pulling all-nighters and being worried about taking so many different tests or turning in different assignments. And as I'm doing this and we're, you're, you know, you're pushing the mind, but you're also pushing the body. You're probably not eating well. You're not sleeping well. And that can happen whether we're studying for finals at school or whether you're just worried about things in general. You know, if we're watching the news a lot, if we're seeing all this chaos going on around us, our stress levels will go up. It's just going to happen. As our stress levels go up, our immune system goes down. So if we're not relaxed, we're going to be much more prone to getting colds, being vulnerable to illnesses and things of that nature. So how important is it for us to be able to say, hey, I kind of want to calm down. I want to be able to feel less stress. Something as simple as just smiling. Just give a smile out and you're going to start to feel better. And believe it or not, the mind, the brain, if I'm smiling and sending the message to the brain that something is good, the eyes are going to start looking for something good. That's just what happens. The smile links it, and all of a sudden the eyes are looking around and saying, hey, what's what's so good? What's, what's so happy? It's kind of like when we see a group of people laughing. Have you ever been at a restaurant or a different place, and you hear a group of people laughing, and everybody turns around and says, hey, I want to be at that table. 
you know, what do they all have what they're having? We're all happy. We're laughing. I think it's such a nice uh, a reminder that when we're smiling, when we're feeling good, uh, it's going to be contagious. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to help us relax and feel better. The other thing that's very, very important, and I say this to some of my patients who experience uh, chronic pain that causes them depression or anxiety, sometimes I treat them because they are experiencing these things, is that it actually helps to decrease the pain levels. And so if we look at the different types of pain people will experience, people will experience uh, pain in terms of chronic back pain, uh, they experience uh, uh, you know, pain in their, in their legs or their arm, whatever it is. The pain levels can always be there, but if we're smiling and we're feeling better, the stress level is going to go down, the pain is going to go down, and we're just going to feel better all around. Um, one of the things that we want to consider is our longevity for health. You know, we want to be reminded and we want to know that we're going to be healthy. I have a, a notification here as far as I have reminded myself of, of certain pains that people will experience uh, because there's one that I didn't want to forget. Oh, yes. So this was very important, and I had this on my list. I had a patient one time who I was treating for long-term uh, depression. They started to get better. And their depression was based in the fact that they had unfortunately been uh, told that they had cancer. And so with this, of course, is not a good diagnosis. Uh, the cancer that they had was pancreatic cancer. So very, very quick cancer. Uh, it was uh, the cancer that once you get that diagnosis they say gosh about six months maybe maybe a year depending on where you're at so this patient um had a long time depression and all of a sudden on top of that ends up getting this cancer and after that what i noticed was they started to feel happier and they were and they were smiling and they didn't really need the medication as much and i asked them what happened for this particular patient getting this diagnosis they said you know I realized that I didn't have much left in life. I didn't have much time left on this planet. And I asked myself, how do I want to spend that time that's remaining? And the main thing was, I don't want to be sad. I just want to be happy, regardless of the pain or the depression I've experienced before. I've decided in every moment to allow myself to be happy. And that's one of the important things about this, this smile concept. Even in the most dire situations, we can choose if we want to smile. So physiologically, I can choose to smile. And some people might say, well, how is that possible? What if you're in a really bad situation or if you're under a lot of stress? How can you choose to smile? It's possible. It's, it's a choice. It's a choice that we make. Sometimes being happy is a choice. Having smiling eyes like this mom is a choice. So the mom that I had initially talked about, she had smiling eyes and she made a choice to be happy but because she was always reminded about what her suffering meant. Her suffering meant the life of her son, who was now alive and happy and being able to experience life with her. So she was always happy with that source. This patient, he was smiling because he recognized and realized life is very precious. I only have so much time. There's, you know, I don't know what else to do uh, in terms of getting better. I'll leave that up to the doctors as far as treatment. But if they're telling me I don't have so much time, I have a choice as to how I want to continue to live. And so these are very important. It's hard to comprehend sometimes that I can smile. Sure, you could say, oh, gee, Dr. Sandoval, well, it's easy to say smile, and there's all these physiological changes, and, you know, there's less stress and less pain and greater endorphins. And that seems to be easy to say, but you're not in my shoes, and that's right. I'm not in your shoes. I'm not in your moment. 
how is it possible if I'm going through all these tough times for me to smile? Well, everybody, everybody makes that choice. And that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not telling anybody they have to, but this is a great option. It's a great opportunity. I think I'm just going to try smiling. I would say, try it out. Let's see what you can do. It reminds me in psychiatry as well um, that we read a book. And this is a very important book. I recommend this book to anybody who wants to look at dire situations that we can come out of and how can we be happier. It's a book by a man named Viktor Frankl. And the name of the book is Man's Search for Meaning. Um, this gentleman, he was a psychiatrist and he was a Jewish psychiatrist in the concentration camps during World War II. So he found himself in the German concentration camps during World War II. As a psychiatrist, what he recognized that in such a dire situation, in the most dire situations, he was able to step back and look at human nature. And he was able to see how is it that people react in this situation and who's surviving the best and who's not. Now, for him, probably having these observations and allowing his mind to look at this was probably very helpful to his own survival. He was able to take his mind out of the situation and intellectualize it and say, well, what's really going on here? Let's look at this as a puzzle. But what he noticed was that the people who were in this concentration camp in the most dire, dire straits, they had lost all their belongings. They had nothing else. They were at the mercy of the Nazi army. And all of a sudden, some of the people, he said, were very upset, very negative, only could see the negative in things. He said other people who were there in the concentration camp, if they could actually, in the most dire of situations, find some humor, if they could actually find some internal joy, those were the people who survived the best. Those were the people who were the healthiest overall. Those were the people whose days went by quicker. Those were the people who you could talk to and who really were seemed to be in, in a place of their own. Now, he didn't say that this was easy to do, but he just said that the result of being able to either find humor or to be able to laugh or have that smile, even in the hardest of situations, was a great survival tool. Right now, I think a lot of times we find ourselves in a, in a situation where we're not sure how we're going to get through the day. You know, some, I've talked to a lot of patients who've lost their jobs. I've talked to a lot of other patients who are experiencing chronic pain and actually feel more pain uh, after they watch a lot of things on the news or talk to their friends or hear stories that seem like uh, they're doom and gloom. And the reality is, I tell my patients, we need to separate ourselves from this. And I got to do this. I got to remind myself of this, too, because there's a tidal wave of emotions and different things going on right now. But I got to remind myself, it's important to separate from myself from this. Not that I don't care about it. It doesn't mean I don't care. I will always care about what's going on in the world around me. But it'll be important to separate myself from situations and find what's positive in me. Even in something as simple as what a beautiful flower there is out there. If I'm going to go garden, or a lot of people tell me that they're very happy because they clean their closet or parts of their home if they were uh, currently quarantined or something along those lines. Um, being able to do that has really helped people find that happiness and gain a smile. With that smile, we get those smiling eyes. We link it together, and hopefully those eyes will be an expression for each other. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about those eyes and what that means in the light of Scripture.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. 3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back, Virginia Sparrow Radio family. So good to be here. Today we're talking about the smiling eyes and remembering to smile, not just because it looks good, but because it's actually a source of health. It's both emotional health and physical health, and I dare say spiritual health. One of the things that we talked about today, I talk, give you a couple of stories of people who have felt better when they're smiling in, in my clinic that I've taught, that I've, um, excuse me, that I've treated. And then I've talked a little bit about a uh, mom who shared her story with me about how she rescued her son from a burning building. Um, and due to the fact that the fire damaged her facial muscles, She was very sad that her son could not see her smile and could not see the expression on her eyes when she smiles for when, uh, so that he could see how much she loves him. You know, these are important things. And these are sometimes things that we forget as we go through our day that we can affect other people and something as simple as smiling at somebody or uh, giving somebody a, a compliment or something positive can really brighten somebody's day and really change things for them. Uh, as things go on, as the day goes on, as their life goes on. Sometimes those are the little things that we forget. One of the I wanted to look at was between the smiling eyes, our smiling faces, and the expression on our face and our eyes, is what does Scripture have to say about this? 
you know, there's this expression that say that the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And a lot of times people think that that comes from scripture, but I was doing a little bit of research and that's not exactly what scripture says. The eyes being the window to the soul are attributed to different writers. I saw a few people attribute that to William Shakespeare. They said that they wrote that, he, that he wrote that in one of his sonnets. Um, somebody else said that one of the saints had said that, but when I looked at scripture and I wanted to see what exactly does that say, it took me to the back book of Matthew. It also has it in the book of Luke, but I was reading it from the book of Matthew. And I'll look at my Bible here so I can quote that for you. It was Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, and it's titled The Sound Eye. And it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is not sound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? I think these are two important things. I like the idea of the eye being the window to the soul. But also it's so important to note that the eye is the lamp of the body because it gives me a few different things, you know. When we consider a window and a lamp and what images is this giving us as far as scripture and as far as um, what this means for us and our emotions, you know, one of the things is this. If we look at the first one and we say that the eye is the window to the soul, it lets me know that through the eyes I can look in. So through a window, I, I want to look into a window and see what is living there, what, what's inhabited there. If I'm looking into a window, it usually means I'm looking into a building. Am I looking, what building is this? Am I looking into a building like a castle, like St. Teresa of Avila tells us, that there's an interior castle with rooms and, you know, with, with different uh, um, light and different uh, images there? What is in this castle? What's, what am I looking at through this window or what building is this? So that's one thing that's important. And that's not in scripture, that the eye is the window to the soul. But... If we look at it the other way, it makes sense because if Christ is telling us in the Beatitudes that the eye is the light, right? So all of a sudden there's light. What does that mean? That means that something is coming back out. It doesn't mean that light is going in. It means that there's light coming out. So if there's light coming out, then I got to wonder what is the source of that light? There has to be a source. If I'm looking at your eyes and people say, oh, are, are they happy eyes? Are they smiling eyes? Are they sad eyes? What is the eye conveying? Well, if it's a window, something had to come in. And if there's light inside, it has to go out. Christ reminds us, and he specifically says that if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he committed sin. That's already adultery. But why is that important? Because that means that the eyes are taking things in. So in a way, it is a window. It's, it's allowing something to come into the soul and allowing something to be there. But we're reminded, if he says that there is a lamp, the eyes are the lamp of the soul, it means that it's also being reflected. So in the same way that our smiles and our expressions are a reflection of what we're feeling, if you will, they're an expression, they're what people see how we're doing, the eyes... Let us know what the soul is reflecting. Where is it? What's happening in that soul? I think that mom really wanted her son to see her smiling eyes because what's inside of her, the level of love that she has for him, she doesn't remember any of the pain. She doesn't remember any of the heartache or hardness uh, of what she went through when she rescued him. And she wants to be able to express that to him. She wants to be able for him to see that light that is shining from her. 
after what she experienced from that love that she experienced for him. If we allow whatever's coming into us to be reflected, then we have to be very cautious if the eyes are the window to the soul and they allow information in it, they allow light in it, and we want to reflect that light, then we have to be cautious of what we allow in. Christ already said that. He said, we, you know, you can't look lustfully. You can't have that coming into your eyes. You can't allow that to come into your eyes. Because then if we look at that last part from that verse of Matthew, there is the option for darkness. And let's read that again, because that's an important part. You know, the whole idea of there being actually being, you know, the, the light part is good. So the first part is that the eye is the lamp of the body. But let's look at this. The last line is, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? We know that I say that, you know, we smile, we're happy, and our endorphins go up, and we're less stressed. And this is all true. This is very, very true. But what are we smiling at? I've also heard of the sinister smile. And sometimes we see people smile, but we realize there's not a good intention back there. There is something going on with that smile that I don't trust. Why is that? Isn't a smile just a smile? Apparently not, and Christ reminds us of that. There can be light in there, and if your light is, I'm sorry, if your eye is sound, which means that healthy, sound, healthy, allowing healthy things in, then your whole body will be full of light. And if it's a lamp, if the eye is a lamp of the body, it's going to shine beautiful light. It's going to shine the light of Christ. It's going to shine that which the Holy Spirit wants us to shine on people, and we're going to have that wonderful expression. But this is twofold, because the Lord is saying, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If what we allow ourselves to be enamored with, if what we allow ourselves to uh, enter that window of our eye is not healthy, is not that which Christ wants for us, there's still going to be something there. He says, if your light is darkness, meaning not that there's light in the darkness, the light and the darkness can never coexist. But if that's which you enjoy, if that which you find brings you happiness is evil, is sinful, is not healthy, then all of a sudden we have a situation where you will be in darkness and you will, your reflection will be darkness. You will not show that light of life. We have that choice. And this is important to note because as much as we see it in science, we can take the scientific approach and we know that if I'm smiling, if I see somebody's happy eyes, if we feel good, if somebody tells a good joke and we're all laughing, you know, what a better place to be. We can express that light. We can be the light for others. How many times do we leave somebody and say, I really like talking to that person. They bring my spirits up or they're so funny. They make me laugh. Wow. I leave there and I feel so good about myself. I feel so good about the situation. I feel lifted up. You know, a lot of times I hope to do that for my patients. I hope that when my, after our visits in clinic, that they feel like they've been lifted up and they feel lighter and they feel better for you know, about themselves. It's not always the case. It really depends on the person and how their approach is to life and what they're seeing. But that's another thing that's important is there's a whole lot of light out there, a lot of light that we can allow in, a lot of goodness that we can let in. But are we allowing that to be let in? Are we allowing ourselves to see the positivity of things? so that we can reflect that positivity back, so that we can be that light for other people. It's really important to make that distinction because we forget sometimes, you know, what is it that I'm enjoying? Am I going to see that movie that I know has some immorality in it? Am I going to allow myself to be consumed by things 
that I know are not good for me, you know, what am I feeding my eyes? What am I feeding my soul? We have to remember that there's a duality there, that we're allowing either light or darkness, and that the eyes and the soul are going to reflect either light or darkness, depending on what we've chosen. This is important because I always want to be the light for other people. I hope that I'm the light for other people. I know that when I read the lives of saints, when I read good scripture readings and they lift me up, I get to I get to learn about myself and reflect upon myself. Am I leading the life that Christ wants me to lead? And am I going to be able to bring other people to that? Because when I'm doing that, if I'm making the sacrifices, if I'm fasting when I know I should, if I'm praying when I know I should, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a visible difference. We might not notice it. Right now, it's very easy to be isolated because sometimes some people have to be isolated. It's very easy to feel down because some people feel like they can't get out or they're afraid of getting sick or that they're not healthy. We see that all the time in medicine, uh, not just in, the time, in these times, but we see it in different times as well. And one of the things to remember is that we do have that choice. We have that choice to be there for each other, to help each other, and to be the light. Scripture is very wise in that respect because a lot of times we feel that it's unattainable. You know, Scripture, uh, how am I ever going to be a saint? How am I ever going to do that? Uh, how can I ever lead that kind of life? It's so hard. But when we look at the Scripture, we realize it really is uh, speaking to every man. You know, Scripture is not for the high and the learned. You know, otherwise, who's going to make it to heaven? We'd all have to have academic degrees or something to make it into the kingdom of the Lord. But really, this is where I think that there's a lot of wisdom in something as simple as smiling or being able to convey a positive thought or a positive image, because the reality is that it's very, very simple to be happy. And the hardest part for some people is that we can actually find happiness in the simplest of things. If we can reach that, if we can gain those smiling eyes and smile and find some joy in the simplest of things, that's when I truly think that we're closest to the reign of God. That's when, if we look at what made Christ happy, if we look at what he told us in terms of what is it that brings light to the eyes, it's usually not that complicated. We usually can find it around us. Hopefully we can find it in our families, in our friends, and just the world around us. Taking that time to look at what's going to allow that light in the window of our eyes to the soul, while we might have a very, very bright light in the lens. You come back a little more and Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Sirach 11.24 says, Do not say I am self-sufficient. What harm can come to me now? According to St. Catherine of Siena, presumption is like vermin burrowing at the root of the tree of our soul. If we do not uproot it with great care and humility, it will eventually destroy the soul. May God keep us from all presumption of mind and heart, and realize that we depend on him for this everything. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877 543 3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back. It's so good to be here and so good to be back um, here on our final uh, segment of the show. Um, I want to be able to discuss a few more things just to wrap it up and uh, really bring home the point in terms of where we are as far as our happiness, what makes us happy, and how do we express that happiness to other people? You know, we've been talking a lot today about what I call the smiling eyes. Um, And it's important to think about this because right now, um, one of the things that people were noticing is it's really hard to connect to people. And we're connecting even as it is like this through media, uh, a lot of times people are doing meetings on the computer, people are texting each other or doing a lot of social media. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's great to reach out to people and to talk to people. But a lot of my patients tell me, you know, it's not the same. I really miss being able to see my grandkids. I miss being able to be in person with somebody. And so during these times, I always say it's important to reach out. It's important to reach out. And even if we can't be there physically present, Sometimes just that reminder that somebody's thinking of us, an actual phone call versus a text message can make a big, big difference for people, uh, knowing that we're not alone and that we're going to get through whatever hard times sometimes we're experiencing. We can get through no matter what, because we're all in this together and we're and we're tied together in Christ. One of the important things, and especially now that I try to keep a focus on is trying to smile more. You know, ever since I started reading these articles and hearing these stories, I'm hoping to smile more for my patients. Sometimes uh, people tell me I seem serious, but it's because I'm trying to think, you know, as an, as an academic, academician, I like to think about things and, and get really the intellectual minutia, which, you know, for me, it's fun. But I realize for other people, that might not necessarily be the case. And sometimes finding the simplest thing is really much more important. Being able to convey a simple message sometimes is much more important than the intellectual heights that people uh, at times want to reach. But one of the things that I realized was important was with that initial story that I told about the mom who saved her son uh, and she wanted him to be able to see her smile, but 
she couldn't smile anymore. And that was really, really hard for her. And that, and that was difficult because something as simple, how do you convey to somebody? You can try to tell somebody what things look like or what things feel like, but if they can't see it, if, they, if it's not there, it's really hard to convey the message to people at times. She wanted to convey the most simple message to her son. She wanted to convey that she loved him. And she was really frustrated because due to the accident that they went through, due to this terrible fire that she saved him from, her face was now deformed. And the deformity in her face did not allow her, it limited her from being able to express that love. It's hard, it must have been hard for her son too, I think, from a mental health perspective, that if you grow up with a parent who doesn't have a whole lot of facial expression, um, it can be hard to understand what they're thinking at the time or what they're doing. So sometimes she was aware of this and she would tell me that she would try to do more for him. She realized, as we say, the old expression goes, actions speak louder than words. And a lot of times for us, if we can't be there for people, sometimes these actions do speak louder. Uh, something as simple as a phone call is an action. Sending a letter to somebody through the post office, that can be an action. A little gift, a gift card, these are all different actions that can convey big messages without the person necessarily being present or without us having an expression behind it. This mom was very, very frustrated at the fact that she couldn't have an expression. I think that that can be frustrating for us as well sometimes in our spiritual life because a lot of times, especially in times of stress, we might not be able to see the love of God the same way that this woman feels limited in being able to show her love to her son because she feels her face is deformed. Sometimes we, in our everyday lives as we go through, we don't always get to see God's smiling eyes. But the reality is I think that just like her son uh, had to do, we might have to look for it in different ways. We ha might have to look at how actions might speak louder than words. The fact that through her uh, actions, her face ended up deformed and she wasn't able to express her love, but it saved her son from death. It really reminded me of a passage from Isaiah. And I want to read that passage right now because this is important. You know, it was very, very important prophet, if not the most important prophet for some people. And Christ, actually, if we look at the Gospels, Christ was reading from the book of Isaiah usually when he was in the temple. This is a pretty important book. And so one of my favorite passages from this book is from chapter 52, and it's verse 14. And chapter 52, verse 14 says, As many were astonished at him, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the sons of men. Now, this expression, and we read that again, many were astonished at him, his appearance was so marred, really deformed, beyond human semblance, <clears throat> and was beyond that of the sons of men. This verse alludes to Christ on the cross. Christ, after he's been tortured, and after he's had to suffer, and after he's had to be, and after he was crucified for us, it, there, it, he was unrecognizable. If you, got, if you saw him on the cross, he was unrecognizable. He was not able, you weren't able to see any expression on him 
other than a man who's been tortured and his body has just been dilapidated. His body is no longer recognizable as a man. This must have been very hard, but it reminds me a lot of what happened with this mom and her son. She went in to save her son from this fire, and all she experienced was love. There's no doubt that she was in pain. There's no doubt because she had to end up at the hospital afterwards. She had to go through so many skin grafts. She had to go through, she was under excruciating pain. They gave her pain medication. But as we know, when the nerve endings are burnt and when the skin is burnt, you don't always experience relief from the pain, that, from the pain medication. Uh, it can be very hard for some people. You're going to gain some relief, but boy, was she in pain. She went into this fire to save her son. And all she could think of is how much she loved him and how internally she was smiling, even if the deformity of her face did not allow her to show it. I wonder if we were to speak to Christ directly, if there wasn't an element of him saying that there was a part of him that was smiling as he came in and he saved us from our fire, from the eternal fire, as he came in and through the fact that he went into his own burning building, shall we say, where he was voluntarily, he went in there to be tortured, and he was crucified, an unspeakable death of pain and suffering. And as he's doing this for us, there's no doubt, no doubt that pain, but the level of love he has for us. I wonder as he's walking through the stations of the cross that we pray. I wonder as he's unfortunately being nailed to the wood of the cross, as he's being lifted and hanging from the cross in the middle of the day, I wonder if there was an element of a smile for the love that he has for us. I think that's important to remember because we always see the image of the tortured Christ, and rightfully so. We want to be there with him in his suffering as we pray. We pray the stations of the cross to remember the price that was paid for the remission of our sins. This was beyond understanding, beyond human understanding. And the closest I can think of, as this lady was telling me the story, was a mom going in for her son, facing fire, facing death, and not being phased. She knew that her life was at stake. She knew she could have died. But she also knew that the life of her son was at stake. And she did not mind giving her own life for her son. How touching is that? And how can that not make me stop and reflect for a moment that the face of my of Christ deformed on the cross, full of pain and suffering, might not have been overshadowed by the love he had for us. And the fact that he might have been smiling, but yet I would not be able to see it. I, I like to think of that. I like to think that there was some kind of relief for Christ, given the love that he has for us, that there might have been an element of him recognizing that he was going to go through this, and the outcome was that he was going to save his people, that he was going to save his brothers and sisters, that he was going to save the sons and daughters of God the Father. And through that, through that salvi salvific event, through that sacrifice, I wonder if the love that he has for us didn't allow him to smile without us being able to see it. I hope so, because I hope that I can think of that and in turn try my best, as best as possible, 
to follow his commandments, to fast, to pray, and to try to unite myself more with him every day. Because if he's able to experience that level of love for me, how much attitude should I have? Am I going to be adolescent in my faith? And I don't say this negatively because we have to go through phases. You know, the fact that this son was a little embarrassed of his mom and wasn't sure how to react among his friends and would rather be dropped off far away and really didn't want to be seen with her. He was an adolescent. That's an adolescent stage of life. I got to ask myself in my own spirituality, am I in an adolescent stage of spirituality? And if I am, that's okay. That just means that there's going to be room for growth. But am I embarrassed of Christ when I think of what he did and how that how he went into his own, into the burning building I was in as a result of my sins to save me. Am I able to recognize that and see that the love he had for me, I should have no embarrassment whatsoever. I should never shy away from the Christ who saved my life. I always want to think about that, and it's okay if we're not there in our spirituality, but I think it's something to strive for, that we need to get to the point where we ask ourselves, Where is Christ in my life? I think I understand why Christ says, if you're embarrassed of me, then I will not be able to recognize you. Because that tells me that if you're embarrassed of me, then you don't understand exactly what I did for you, what kind of burning building you were in. But more importantly, you don't understand how much I love you. I hope that we have smiling eyes for Christ the way he has smiling eyes for eyes on that cross. And in turn, We have smiling eyes for each other. That's really what I hope for today. Please keep in mind, keep good health, keep good mental health, keep good spiritual health, and hopefully we'll see each other here again for more episodes of all show. Have a good day. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.